Welcome to episode 40 of the Zay Comer Podcast. And today we'll be discussing all 30 NBA teams and giving a review for the first quarter of the NBA season. Before we get started, I want to apologize. I, it has been 32 days since I got to sit here and talk about the game of basketball. It was like opening week was the last time we got to sit here and talk basketball. And that's on me. You know, stuff that I couldn't control. But at the end of the day, it's still my fault that I didn't get to talk to you all about it. You know, I've had, I've been sick basically the entire time. Apart from a couple of days before my flight to Virginia. Like, like, outside of those days, I've basically been sick the entire time. And I still don't know what it is, honestly. It's probably, it's like, I feel like it's just a cold, but I also feel like it's more than that. But between cold, you know, had deaths in the family, and I've been trying to keep trying to keep that for the most part in my private life. But at the end of the day, it does come up. You know, I've had again had to fly to Virginia, and basically spent like a week there. Got to hang out with the boys, you know, that y'all seen on the podcast before. You know, a lot of a lot of go had gone on in life. But what we are here for, a lot has happened in the NBA season. And we're obviously going to discuss, you know, the recent news that has come out literally since, <laughs> since, since I finished writing these notes yesterday. We found out that Kemba and Blake Griffin are no longer in their respective rotations, which that's kind of sad, honestly, because we know Blake worked his way to a comeback. Kimba was in a redemption story in his home state. Uh, home state. Maybe actually home. Maybe you can say home city, New York City. But it, I guess it's kind of stopped in its tracks there. But we're you know that's something else that we will get into when we talk about the Knicks and the Nets. And but we're gonna you know go through teams all in order, and we'll see where. What what comes up? So first for Atlanta, they did good, get off to a slow start. They did not look good. I mean, injuries happened, you know. You know, and even, you know, Trey Young is still getting adjusted to the new rules. But after around, like, the eighth or ninth game, this team got hot. Started playing really well. Trey Young was playing MVP-level basketball. Not saying that he's in the conversation, but, you know, the numbers he's putting up, you would expect an MVP-like player to perform. And that's, he's been that guy for them. They've been winning games. Trey Young has been putting up identical numbers compared to his previous season. Despite shooting half the free throws he was last year, he's not doing the, you know, grab somebody's arm and, go up for a shot and get two free throws. Nope, he's playing legitimate basketball, and you love to see it. <coughs> Sorry, y'all, if, you know, if y'all hear me cough, that's, I'm still a little bit sick, but I, I do want to give y'all, I do want, I desperately want to get y'all a podcast. But yeah, Atlanta, Trey Young playing legitimate, like a legitimate star. John Collins has been playing a lot better. He has been dealing with injuries, of course. But everybody, Clip Capella, although has been slightly off compared to the, the dominance he had last year, still giving you double double material. 
I really wish this team would get uh, healthy, mostly because three, actually, three or three of their rotation players are on my fantasy team. Collins, Hunter, and Herder. Although, actually, I did trade Herder for uh, Seth Curry. Well, we're not going to get my fantasy team. But, um, like I said, Atlanta has been playing, started off bad, aren't playing great now. And again, they, I fully expect this team to be a playoff team. And speaking of teams that slow, started off slow and then got hot, the Boston, the Boston Celtics. Whew. This team sucked to watch when I first when, and I think it turned around around the Lakers game when they played the Lakers on ESPN. I think that's when it started to turn around. But this team really looked bad through the first half of this her first half of this this part of the season. Basically the first eighth of the season, I guess. This team did not look good. It was heavy. Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum, ISO, step back behind the three-point line, fade away in, on the wing, like basketball. And basically the same thing, but on the opposite side with Jalen Brown. It, it The offense looked horrible. Al Horford <laughs> looked like what we all imagine Al Horford to be. Robert Williams is in and out of the lineup for injuries. Grant Williams looked like an unplayable four, an undersized unplayable four. You know, Marcus Smart shooting like 17% from three. This team looked bad. But Dennis Schroeder picked it up. He, he picked up the slack that Marcus Smart laid. You know, Jason Tatum became more of a playmaker. Jalen Brown, although it has been out of the lineup, you know, he started to play well right before the injuries and then that Lakers game. And basically since then, they have been playing, you know, playoff level basketball. Jason, again, Jason, you can watch the end of that Lakers game. Basically, basically that fourth quarter of the Lakers game, (coughs) this team legitimately was, like one on one accord. This it looked like what you want a basketball team to look like. Fight, you know, cutting, you know, helping help defense, play, you know, ball movement. You would you want teams like you want a team you want your team to play like that. That basically from that Lakers game on on forward, they played amazing basketball as an eleven man unit. I'm talking even Aaron Nesmith is playing amazing defense with Romeo Langford in his five minutes he was getting you know he was getting buckets like and even in his, in his canter hitting threes like this this team looked perfect almost and you know it's it's like I said it it's very inconsistent with the team you know they will play that level of basketball but then you go to you know, they play I don't know Dallas or some team they they might just you know they won't blow up. They're not gonna be good. This is whatever. Like this team is very inconsistent. I don't. I see them as a first round exit. Could be more. Could be less. You know whatever happens in the east happens in the east. And I'm I'm just not liking. I well, I like the team on paper. I just don't like how they'll fit playing against a Milwaukee, a Brooklyn, a Philly, a Miami in the first round. I don't really like their chances that much. Brooklyn. <laughs> I again, 
these notes are from yesterday. They are not from today. They're not from right now. The first note I have, KD really does, deserves MVP, uh, basically recognition. I don't think he'll win it. I personally think Steph Curry is going to win it. But KD has been playing elite level basketball and on in every facet of the game. Uh, everybody will pay attention to his scoring because he's legitimately one of the best scorers of all time. You can argue until the cows come home if he is the best scorer of all time. People have Kobe, people have Melo, people have KD, people have Harden, you know, people have Curry, whatever. Kyrie, you can argue any of those guys as being some of the best scorers of all time. But KD, as a passer slash playmaker, you can argue, you can argue that too. <laughs> KD is he's underrated in that facet. While he again isn't the best defender, he can he's big, so he'll get you seven, eight rebounds. This man KD is one of the most dominant offensive players, not just scorer, but in all facets of offense. Screen setting, cutting, popping out, you know, running slashing, you know, sprinting to the corner. Simple simple IQ things is what makes KD an elite offensive player to everybody else's great offensive players. My other note, and again, when I, that's why, this is why I said that these notes are from yesterday. What happened to James Harden? Like, again, he's still a great, he's having a great season, averaging almost a triple-double, but it's just not the James Harden we're accustomed to seeing. And as I say that, James Harden has 30 at halftime. <laughs> like I said, this, these notes will don't hold up at all. James Harden, again, James Harden has 30 at halftime, as I say. Well, then James Harden's not as good as he used to be. Where James Harden was giving you 30 at halftime on a regular. Like, you know. I don't Like I said, James Harden did not look, has not looked good through the first 20 years, 22-ish games of the season. Again, he looks good tonight. Obviously, he has 28 at halftime. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, scoring the ball-wise, shooting, he just isn't James Harden. Well, he's James Harden, but missing the 10 free throws a game. <laughs> Basically is what I'm saying. Charlotte. LaMelo Ball is amazing. And I know that's a very vague statement to make. The LaMelo Ball is a good basketball player. That's crazy to think, right? He is so special in the way that he plays that the passing is, like, otherworldly. Him and his brother, honestly, are two specially gifted passers. The way they, they see the third, fourth, fifth, 27th option on the floor and it's it almost it it makes too much sense and how much how much of an IQ these boys have when it comes to passing the ball it's you know he sees this person is going to make this specific cut to make this specific read and he'll land at this specific spot on the floor let me throw the ball right there and they make that thought they make that thought in like 0.2 seconds, and boom, you see Miles Bridges has a dunk on the other end. It is astonishing how much of a gifted passer that Melo Ball is. And speaking of Miles Bridges earlier, 
I would like to give Miles Bridges some love. He is my, he is, I think, most people's most improved player this year. Could see him even getting a few votes with our all-star team. I'd say he has looked great, especially the first couple weeks of the season. He was averaging like 27 and 10. And I'm like, Miles Bridges for MVP, low-key, because the Hornets had started off like 3-0, I think it was. And this, this team, they had that, <laughs> that comeback against the Pacers. And this, you know, Miles Bridges for MVP, low-key. But definitely not MVP, but I could totally see him winning the most improved player. And he deserves it, man. I'm, you know, and this is totally the Miles Bridges come to Detroit uh, cry. <laughs> the Hornets decide not to match his contract because he's totally going to be restricted next year. Uh, Chicago. Wow. I think I said during the preseason uh, predictions that this team would be around the 6th to 7th seed. Still could be. I think, you know, Philly will be up there. Milwaukee, of course, is going to be up there. Brooklyn, I think, you know, playing like the Brooklyn Nets, we think they will be. We totally uh, be up there. Um, I'm trying to think of the teams. Atlanta might still be, it might torch their way to the end of the season. This, like I said, this, it, I can see them being the 6th or 7th seed. But Chicago's a very scary 6th or 7th team if they play a team like Brooklyn, who isn't a defensive team. And... I guess at this point could be one dimensional on offense. If they stick to um KD, how much does that hurt Brooklyn? Especially if you know Joe Harris isn't knocking down seven threes in a game. Like I, I'm, it's just a very curious thought to have in mind when you see Demar Derozan is putting up again, like I said about your young putting up MVP level numbers, not MVP numbers. Or he's not the MVP, but he's putting up MVP level numbers. I think it's like twenty six seven and no, it's twenty six six and five. I think for Demar this year, Zach Levine is still an A one scorer, even though he's not averaging thirty five. He's still an, one of the most efficient scorers in basketball. Lonzo Ball having the best season of his career by far. Vucevic just had a thirty plus point game, and honestly, you look at the names on this as the in the supporting cast of the Bulls and you think, eh, they don't really rank they don't really do anything for me. But a Derek Jones Jr. playing defense, uh, awesome. Alex Caruso has been probably in my opinion, I think he's a six man of the year candidate. I wouldn't even I would not be surprised if Alex Caruso was in the final six man of the year candidate if I was in at the end of the year. He he has been amazing. On specifically on defense, but also he's been had a, an okay offensive year despite somebody who's not a scorer. You know, Javante Green is basically a six four power forward out there, but he plays he plays bigger than six for four. Trust me, Alize Johnson, one of the more high volume rebounders in the league, doesn't get a lot of PT for when he's in the game. He will get his rebounds for sure. Like this this team. It's hard to find a comparison for this team because this team is so unique in the way that it was built. And it was basically built in one offseason, if you think about it. Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic were the only people in that rotation that's currently that's currently in the rotation that was on this roster last year. No Lonzo, no DeMar, no Caruso, no Javante Green, no Alex A. Johnson, no Derrick Jones Jr. This No Io DeSumo, who's also been one of the more underrated rookies this year. No, nobody... From on that I just mentioned, 
was on this roster last year. They built this roster in one offseason. And they were playoff, immediate playoff team. A team that I thought had no direction after they traded for Vucevic. They gave up two first-round picks and still missed the playoffs. I thought this team would be in the dumpster. But once they revamped management and then revamped this roster, and literally, I'll tell you, in probably four weeks, five of you count when they signed Alizé Johnson basically at the end of the season. Or at the, sorry, at the beginning of the season. End of the preseason, I should say. This team, like, I love, this is one of the more fun teams to watch. And I just really spent like 10 minutes talking about the Chicago Bulls. Cleveland, they're after a hot start. I think injuries really did kill this team. Sexton was out. Like he's he's out for the season. I don't know how he's not out for the season. Um, Larry Marketing was injured. I was second, I'm sitting here thinking like who was else was injured for the Cavs? Larry Marketing was injured. Uh, Evan Mobley I think was out for a couple games. Allen was out. You know Kevin Love was getting heavy heavy minutes for this team. You just thought Dean Wade. You know this team doesn't. I, I, I already didn't think they were a playoff team before. Um, uh, I already didn't think this team was a playoff team before the injuries. But just, you know, even after the injuries, they'll probably end up being 11, 12 seed. Which is good for the Cavs because it's better than what they were last year and the year before that and the year before that. But it's not what they want. And again, still paying. I guess Kevin. I think Kevin Love's in the final year of this deal. Kevin Love's gone, probably. Maybe retirement. Who knows? Maybe he finally gets what he wants and goes to Portland. Who Who honestly knows? But this that situation, that situation is still weird to me. And that cab, the Cavs are playing like six big guys in the front court, basically in the main rotation. If you include Dean Wade, but I really. I'm interested, I guess is the word to put it. Interested in what this team is building. Next, the Dallas Mavericks. After I wrote these notes, I was scrolling through Instagram, and I believe it was NBA in depth that might have posted it. Shout out to the man. But um, I think he posted a clip of Porzingis. Pump fake, I think Evan Mobley got, he bit on the pump fake. Porzingis drove and he postered Jonathan, or Jared Allen. I almost called him Jonathan Allen because I watched Washington as he had a game last night. And it made you think, even after, after, I saw that clip after I wrote these notes. Porzingis could be so much better than what he is. I think he's already putting up like maybe 19 a game this year. Which is an, again is an improvement from last year's sixteen, I believe, fifteen. But man, Porzingis is genuinely, and I told my uh friends this because this the question came up while we was you know doing a round table talk whatever. But it's so frustrating watching Porzingis play because it's either a he has about a five minute stretch, four minute stretch. Where he's untouchable, making all the right moves, doing the right thing, either scoring or passing, and you know, getting good defensive plays, and you think, man, Porzingis is he really, he really is a unicorn. 
then you watch this man Porzingis play, and it's just sometimes it's he does not know what to do on the floor. He's he is mind you, he's still seven for three. That has never changed with Porzingis. He's always been seven for three, skilled, can dribble, shoot, pass, and whatever. But he has a again. I will always point to specifically when they played the Phoenix Suns because the Phoenix Suns are small. This man has Jay Crowder on him. And again, Jay Crowder is a really good defender. Never wanted, I never will slight, slight Jay Crowder's defense. Jay Crowder is an A1 defender. But my God, if you don't take Jay Crowder to the paint as a 7'3 big man, what are you doing? And again, and it, that's what frustrates me when Porzingis makes comments like, Oh, I'm, I I don't want to be the sidekick to Luka Doncic. First of all, Luka Doncic is genuinely the next superstar in the NBA. And you can't argue with me about that. No one's arguing that comment ever. He is the next superstar in the NBA. But let's not beat around the bush and say that, oh, it's, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to be the, the sidekick. Being a sidekick to the next superstar in the NBA is... Probably the best thing you can possibly do. Because being a sidekick to the next superstar in the NBA still means that you are an all-star level player. Which Porzingis is. He has all-star level skill. But he just does not put his focus into the game to match the skill that he has. And it it, it really does boggle my mind with Porzingis that he's not, any, he's not nearly as good as we think he should be. Porzingis probably should be, he should be putting up New York Knicks level numbers. Like when he was, you know, leading this team to basically the playoff season before he tore his ACL. And that might have something to do with, you know, not wanting to bang in the paint nearly as much. But let's not beat around the bush and say that Porzingis having almost zero post touches with Jay Crowder guarding him. Or when he's playing Miami, when, like, I think, I assume Jimmy Butler would probably be guarding him. Because P.J. Tucker will probably get the Luka matchup. It boggles my mind that he won't take anybody to the post when he's a foot taller than them. It really, it it sucks. Because I, I know Porzingis can shoot the ball. I do like that. But let's not be let KP be a catch-and-shoot three-point guy. I watched that Phoenix Suns game. When when they played the Wednesday game, I believe it was. I know I think it might have been the Friday game actually. They they played on ESPN twice. That's what I'm trying to remember what day it was. I believe it was the Friday game. Porzingis had three. They had three straight plays where they ran a, a Luca Porzingis pick and roll, or pick and pop, I should say. The second play in the third in the three straight, Porzingis. Literally chucked from probably the logo a three pointer off of of a pick and pop that Luca threw behind the head pass that didn't that didn't bother me but Porzingis chucking a three from basically the logo did bother me especially because he barely had the ball in his hand before he chucked the three up and again this isn't me on my old head vibes where I'm telling you hey don't chuckle threes when you. You know, don't shoot threes off a of pick and pop. No, it's, you can perfectly, it's perfectly normal to shoot a three off a of pick and pop. 
But him chucking it from basically the logo when, A, you ain't logo literate. So you, you can take that elsewhere. But just the fact that you didn't even look to realize that Chris Paul was the one that was chasing you at the three-point line. Take Chris Paul to the paint and get your two points. Like, it, it really ain't that difficult. I, I don't want to spend too much talking about Porzingis because I had to get that spell up. Next, Denver. Poor Jokic. My goodness. This man has gone through a lot this year. Again, I, I believe it was the Philly game that I watched while I was in Virginia. Jokic had like 27 in the first half. Still down. Had no energy left and they ended up losing by 30. Jamal Murray is... There's, I don't even think there's a timetable yet for him coming back. PJ Dozier has a 20 ACL. Just announced, I believe, today <laughs> that Michael Porter Jr. is out. Uh, I think it was yesterday, actually. Michael Porter Jr. is out indefinitely going through back surgery. This I think this is his third back procedure since high school, I believe. I don't, I don't remember, honestly. But he is. This is his third back procedure, and I'm pretty sure it was a direct cause from that the missed layup that everybody was, you know, laughing at him for, which I didn't laugh at. I just want to point that out. I didn't laugh at it because I immediately knew that he got hurt. I didn't know what. I thought it was like a hamstring issue because I thought he was grabbing his leg after. But the thing is, that was the play that he ended up getting injured from. And I was like, dang, that sucks, man, for MPJ, bro. Like, it, first of all, no, you never want to see an injury. But you never want to see a guy that has injury problems, had had injury problems, overcame him, just to come down with another injury. That, that is honestly, like, saddening to me. But, yeah, man, Jokic, I hope Jamal Murray does come back soon, you know, Get hopefully guys like Will Barton will step up and Jermichael Green, Jeff Green, you know, even give Bowl Bowl a chance. Who knows? Hopefully those guys do, you know, step up and Denver does become a team because a team that was built basically from the ground up didn't have to make a superstar free agent signing. They drafted every single one of their top guys except for Will Barton. They ended up trading for him, but it was before Will Barton was really anything in the league. Jermichael Green, this probably outside of maybe maybe his Grizzlies run, this is the best Jermichael Green we've seen. Jeff Green's been okay as a role player. I thought he'd be a lot better than what he has been. You know, this team, on paper, I would like this team better healthy, obviously, because you get your second and third best player back. But... I just I don't see much in this team anymore. I think the I'm not, not the window is closing. I, that's the first, not definitely not the phrase there because they're all their top guys are still like 25, 26 and younger. But this team it I'm I'm running out of time, of chances to have faith in this team. I really am, and it it and it hurts because I want Yogi to win a chip. You know Jamal Murray, I really want to see. Get, have that breakthrough moment where he becomes an undisputed top 10 point guard in the league. But it, it just, I'm running out of of hope in a way for this team because a lot of teams are coming up. A lot of teams are going to be gunning for 
you know, the top guns, the Lakers, the Clippers, Suns, Jazz, whatever. And I think Denver, Denver might be passed by in that discussion. Detroit. I don't have much complaint with this team. I guess the record is god-awful, but, you know, I half expected this team to be bad anyway. But my issue is with Casey. Dwayne Casey. How, I get that he loves Canadians. He coached the Raptors. You know, his favorite player ever is Canadian. But, bro, Corey Joseph does not need to have the most minutes on this team. Is there a reason why Saban Lee does not touch the floor? Just keep, I just want to let you know, the guy that leads the G League in scoring, averaging 30 a game on a roster, and doesn't play. Even if he sucks, he's 20, like 22, 21 years old, maybe. He's still young. Give him time, bro. At bare minimum, he's a young asset that teams will be looking for, and we can get draft capital for him. At bare minimum, at bare minimum, he is draft capital. But at maximum, that could be the point guard that we need. And again, I like Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes, despite what the stats will tell you, he's been a really good point guard for us. And I like I love Killian Hayes. But man, can somebody tell me why Saban Lee at least isn't getting minutes over Corey Joseph? Who again, Corey Joseph isn't a bad player if he's on a contender. But he's bad if he's on a tanking Let's beat, not beat around the bush. A team that is tanking in the Detroit Pistons. Corey Joseph does not need 25 minutes a game to average nine and six assists and be a floor general. That's what we have Saban Lee as a 22-year-old for. Frank Jackson getting minutes. Again, Frank Jackson has been really nice last year. He was really nice for the Pistons last year. But I don't want to have to watch Frank Jackson and Corey Joseph as my bench backcourt. And Saban Lee needs playing time. Chris Smith needs playing time. Isaiah Livers needs playing time. Like, it, it, just for something fresh, Rodney Magruder getting playing time. Again, just for something fresh, new, and that's not Corey Joseph and Frank Jackson and Josh Jackson. Like, it's, it, that frustrates me more than... Us being like four and sixteen right now. I don't hate that we're four and sixteen or seventeen or whatever. Us losing to the Lakers, us losing to um, the Clippers, the Suns. You know, I don't hate losing basketball games. What I hate is not seeing young guys develop on a team that is losing. Let Saban Lee get men. If Saban Lee is traded on in the offseason to like. I don't know the Clippers or somebody, a team, a, a good enough team that needs a point guard that, that isn't 30 plus. If he thrives on the Clippers, I'm going to be upset because this is essentially Chris Middleton 3.0. Where Chris Middleton became good on the Bucks, And then you know who had to follow up? Spencer Dinwiddie had to become an all-star level point guard on the Brooklyn Nets. And now it's playing really well, was playing really well for the Wizards. I don't. I haven't really been keeping up with the Wizards as much lately, but man, 
secretly he was going to be the next guy. I thought it would be Sekou boy, but after the Lakers waved their mind, I think that ship is sailing also. Next, Golden State. The best team in the league, Curry's the MVP. They're about to get better. I don't have to spend too much time talking about the Warriors. Houston, Jalen Bur- uh, Green is... Uh, <laughs> oh, boy, I probably should just... I'm not going to call the podcast here, but I'm definitely... I got to check myself from here on out. Jalen Green is not the guy that y'all think he is. I promise you, Jalen Green, he is a low-volume scorer with... Again, I... And again, I don't. I want to preference this by saying he's twenty. He can definitely develop in something more. But I just see, you know, score good score on a bad team for the, his whole career. Basically, I don't see him being near. First of all, this Rockets team is built so poorly. KPJ is not a point guard. Shingun is not a center, and and Jalen Green isn't a superstar. I'm, I'm going to say it here. And again, um, when y'all come back to this 10 years from now, and I'm wrong. Sorry. But Jalen Green just does not seem like the guy to. And again, he could be a second or third. But he's definitely not going to be a one on a championship team. Jalen Green ain't going to be that that guy. He could be a guy that averages 20 and 39% shooting and the team wins 35 games. Yeah. That's a perfectly normal career. Perfectly okay career, whatever. But I don't see him being the superstar, you know, Luca, Trey Young, Devin Booker level guy in five to ten years. I'm sorry. He just ain't, I, don't, I just don't see that. He can be flashy, but he's not a, you know, he doesn't, he's not a basketball player in my opinion. He's a, he, he's a guy that can shoot but he ain't a basketball. He ain't a playmaker. De- definitely is not a defender. You know, he just he just is not that for me. Next, the Indiana Pacers. This team is very limited. The, the two the center combination, call it what it is. The two center combination of Sabonis and Turner. This is the last year. We have this combination. Turner, one of Turner or Sabonis is not coming back to Indiana. And I've definitely put my money on Turner considering he's the free agent. I do not want to see this team no more. I don't want to see my Brogdon in a blue and yellow jersey no more. I don't want to see Sabonis in a blue and yellow jersey. I just want this team just wiped completely off the face of the earth. Send Sabonis to Chicago or whatever. Send Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers. Or I don't care. This is a tense. There's something that isn't this team. Send Miles Turner to Boston. The Celtics fans have been praying for, for four years. Like TJ Warren back to Phoenix. It, just send. Just get rid of this team, bro. I want Chris Duarte and nothing else, basically. I guess Isaiah Jackson, too. I don't want this team. It. It, it screams mediocrity. And again, this is coming from somebody who's been a Pistons fan for almost a decade. I understand what mediocrity is. This team screams mediocrity. And it basically does scream the Pistons team from two years ago. Two big men that don't coexist and a point guard who, while he plays good, won't get the recognition because he's just, he's just it. He's what he is. 
And that was basically Reggie Jackson on the Pistons. Talking about Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond being the two bigs that can't coexist. Or Greg Monroe and Andre Drummond also being the two bigs that can't coexist. Or if you want to double down on that, Josh Smith, Greg Monroe, and Andre Drummond, three big men that can't coexist. You know, perfect normal life for the Detroit Pistons. Anyway, next, the Clippers. Better than what they are, or better than what you thought they would be, still don't see much in this team. Probably a second-round exit, maybe even a conference finals if, you know, Paul George does heat up in the playoffs. But, eh, you know, probably a team that loses to probably Phoenix. I think Phoenix is back to the finals. Maybe the Lakers if, you know, the NBA has a peak rig mode. Whatever. Speaking of the Lakers, this team sucked. I hate this team. This team is buns. And this team does not really do anything for me. This, again, they beat the Pistons by four and celebrated like they won the world championship. Anthony Davis is telling the world that they can go on a win streak if they want to. Huh? The, the centers on this team are still got off of DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard are not what this team is needing, especially if you want to run the floor with Russell Westbrook all night. LeBron James wanted them to play point guard and Russell Westbrook is just sitting on the wing. Uh, yeah, that, that's not what you need. It, Dwight Howard is not the... This isn't 2011 Dwight Howard. I guess 20, 2009 Dwight Howard. Where he would be spry and athletic and, you know, catching alley-oops all night. You know, he's not that guy no more. <laughs> DeAndre Jordan can barely catch the ball at this point in his career. I guess it... This team does stress me out and it's not I'm not a Lakers fan I don't, really don't care about the Lakers at all but this team is just hurtful to watch Memphis sucks that job Grant uh, went down with an injury like is I think they just call it like a, a knee hyperextension which thank god it's just a hyperextension because the way he, A he went down and B the fact that they had to help him off the floor did not was not a good sign it's just the NBA has Numb to me, it's it's like coerced. I don't even know what's the word. It's it's like trained me to think that oh he tore his ACL, he's out for the season. That's basically what the and it's a sad reality, but it has happened way too often for me not to think that it's a torn ACL. Luckily, it's just hyperextension though, and they got a win without John Moran. Something that genuinely surprised me is that they won a game. I mean, granted, it was the Kings. We'll talk about the Kings later. Or I guess, yeah, yeah. yeah, we can talk about the Kings later. Or you want to save the next, this, this is a part two for tomorrow. I'm literally just, I'm this. while this episode was planned, I didn't think that it would go this long. But um, luckily, John Morant, like I said, luckily John Morant isn't out long term. But if John Morant, if they keep winning games without him, you know. I can I can dig with Josh sitting a week or two, and you know the Grizzlies get their groove as a team, and then when Josh comes back, he just in slight insert him as the ball handler. That's what you gotta do. But you know they gotta win. Dylan Brooks had twenty one, Bain had eighteen, Trey J had seventeen. Even Brandon Clark gave him fifteen to six. So somebody who I think who definitely deserves the PT. But, um, like, this this, this Grizzly team is stacked, bro. Like, a legitimately 12, 13 guys on this team can get 
PT, and you won't even question it because that team, that, that guy deserves it. Literally, legitimately 13 guys. Xavier Tillman, like the 12th guy in the rotation. But, man, Xavier Tillman can give you some more than that. You're talking about some rebounds and some defense. Xavier Tillman going to give you that. And I don't want to talk too big of a Michigan State guy because, you know, obviously go blue. But, man, that boy got it. I think we actually will call the episode here. Right at the 40-minute mark. We're gonna, I'm going to call it here. That's crazy. Like I said, we'll we'll pick up with Miami tomorrow. I think that I think I actually let me you know count off here. Yeah, we actually did reach the halfway point. That's actually I didn't even think that you know I could do that, but you know we reached the halfway point, man. We're Ja. We close out with you know Ja Morant coming back. Hopefully Ja Morant comes back with injury. You know Blake Griffin comes out. You know back in the Brooklyn Nuts rotation, and the Lakers don't win a championship. We can close out with that, man. So, this is the the end of the episode. If you missed the previous 39 episodes, you can go on Spotify, Google Podcasts, right here on Anchor. Until next time, which will be tomorrow, of course. I love you. You love me. Let's love each other. Bye.